Welcome back to Kind of Funny Scream in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every Scream movie. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by It's Christmas in September, Joey Noel. I am so excited to talk about this movie. It took everything in me to not text. I texted at least one thing last night. Really wanted to expand. Very excited. I finally get to talk about this. Hell yes. Of course, we have the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Man, this one. This is this one. This one. This one, everybody. <laughs> this one. Strap in. And rounded out the group, of course, we have James and Elise Willems. Like a fine wine, Scream only gets better the more of them that there are. <laughs> How wine works, right? The more yeah, yeah. wine, the better it tastes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. This is Kind of Funny's In Review, where each and every week we get together to rank and review two different movie franchises. This week, we're finishing out Scream as it is now at least we're going to do scream three today and then scream four uh will go up on friday this week and then we'll return to this in january when the next installment in scream comes out which i'm really excited about i uh, can't wait to see what it ends up being whether it's a sequel reboot somewhere in between who the hell knows uh next week we are going to be getting into what is that is it venom time joey Venom time. It's Venom time. We're doing a Venom rewatch and then Venom Let There Be Carnage on Friday. Very excited for that as well. But like I said, this is Kind of Funny's in review where you can watch it on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny or RoosterTeeth.com. You can also get it as a podcast. Just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny in review and we'll be right there for you. You can get the show ad free by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny. And you can also watch live as it's being recorded, just like our Patreon producers get to do Molecule and the kind of funny Destiny 2 PC clan. I'm talking about you. And you will not have to hear our ads for HelloFresh and MeUndies that everyone else will later. But for now, let's get into it. Scream 3. This one had a runtime of one hour, 57 minutes. It was released on February 4th, 2000. What a year. What a time. Unlike the previous Scream films, there was an increased emphasis on comedic elements in this installment, and the violence and horror were reduced in response to increased public scrutiny about violence in media following the Columbine High School massacre. Uh, this was once again directed by Wes Craven. Got some fun facts about him for this one. Wes Craven filmed three different endings and didn't tell the cast which one he was going to use. The film never had a public test screening. That's pretty cool. Uh, the cast and crew only had their first chance to see the finished product at the premiere because of fears of spoilers being put out on the internet. Throughout the movie, the actors and actresses of Stab 3, the movie within the movie, complained about rewrite, rewrites and three different scripts. These complaints actually originated with the real cast of the movie because of how frequent the rewrites and different endings uh, they had to shoot were. So <laughs> couldn't tell. I'll tell you what, they had, they had three different endings, and this was the one they went with. This was the one they chose, Elise. They were like, this is the most, this is the strongest one. Yeah, for sure. So this is the first screen movie that was not written by Kevin Williamson. This one instead was Aaron Kruger, an American film producer and screenwriter, best known for writing three of the five installments of the Transformers movies, including Oof. Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, which features Patrick Dempsey. Uh, and Age of Extinction. Patrick Dempsey was hired the day before shooting began for Scream 3. Dude. He had one night to learn three big dialogue-heavy scenes. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. Let me tell you one thing right now. You guys don't remember this because, obviously, Grey's Anatomy was a huge thing in the, I'm going to say, early aughts. I don't know when that show started. Probably 20 years ago. It's been running for, like, 30 years. But McDreamy, everyone knows, is Patrick Dempsey now. But prior to Scream 3... <laughs> James, when was the last time you remember seeing Patrick Dempsey in 
anything before Scream 3. Lover Boy, maybe? You can't, can't buy, buy me, me love. You can't yeah, buy can't me, buy me love. the memory me. that I would need to. <laughs> so, Tim, like, we, we all grew up what with this movie called from? Can't Buy Me Love. Which, which uh, remade as Love Don't Cost a Thing. Exactly. Oh. And, uh, I don't even want to get it started on which one's better because there's pros and cons to both. Patrick Dempsey was huge. And, I, and then he did Loverboy, which is my personal favorite because he's a pizza delivery boy that shags a bunch of uh, uh-huh. a bunch of his clients. Um, and then he disappeared. And then I remember seeing him in Scream 3 and being like, I can't tell if that's Patrick Dempsey because he grew up. Like he's in, he's in his like, what, late 20s, late 30s in this movie? And he's, I was like, I don't remember. He was like dorky in those movies. Yeah, and he's kind of like, he's kind of smoldery in this out. a little bit. He filled out. Yeah, it was. Uh, it he's was got the good hair. And he does have great hair. Patrick with the good hair. Uh, could mm-hmm. I just for a moment thank Nick for calling it the early aughts? Thank you, Nick. I thought you were going to ask Kev to raise uh, James and Elise's mics a little bit. Because I don't know about you guys. I'm having a little trouble hearing them. Yeah, if you guys can bring that mic a little closer to you, too, that'd be great. Yeah. How about now? Sweet, sweet, sweet. Better? Perfect. Much better. Much better. Thank you. If I may uh, rebut to Kevin's question, what else would I call it, Kevin? Only a savage would call it the zeros. Yeah. Yeah. It's the odds. It's the odds. Wait, who calls it the zeros? I don't know. Savages. (laughs) Some people don't know how to refer to the 2000 to 2009 period. I thought you were going to say that Kevin does. No, Kevin. No, I'm, I'm heavily pushing the odds campaign. We're, we're pushing odds real hard. Right you're now. you're fighting a campaign against no other candidate, though. <laughs> no, it's it's. You'd be surprised. <laughs> no You'd one's right against us. We're fighting it against stupidity, like always. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, this one's just for you. The music this time done by the same guy, Beltrami. Beltrami took inspiration from other composers for the score, again incorporating excerpts of the score to Broken Arrow by Hans yeah. Zimmer in the track yeah. Sid Wears a Dress. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it, it felt it, because even Dewey has his new twist on his theme, but it feels like someone was like, oh, well, I guess we have to do that again. People loved it so much. <laughs> So, like, when when you hear it, you're like, I don't get the feeling. When you hear Dewey's song, you're like, oh, I feel something, like, physical. Like, I'm connected to this in some way. In in Scream 3, not at all. It's just, like, a pale replica. Uh, This one had a budget of $40 million, which is more than one and two combined. Uh, It had a box office of $161.8 million. Uh, The film set a record its opening weekend in February 2000 for the number of screens in the United States uh, with 3,467. It also made it the seventh widest opening for an R-rated film, and uh, it is the 11th highest grossing opening weekend in a February of all time. So it did pretty well. Um, even though the budget was a lot higher there. And yes, this one does pass the Bechtel test easily, just like the rest of the Scream movies do. Elise Willems, I want to start with you. What did you think of Scream 3? Now, as you know, Elise growing up had the Scream trilogy box set. And I'm going to tell you, Scream 3 got more play than 2 because it's a real fun movie. 40% of Rotten Tomatoes compared to the 79% of Scream 2? I don't think so. Scream 3 is a fun film. It's campy. It doesn't quite uh, make the, the, you know, messaging, doesn't quite lampoon the genre as well as Scream 1 does, but it's got a hell of a cast. I was really excited for Joey to, to watch this one because um, I knew Joey was going to have some big reactions, and I'm excited to hear what Nick thought because Nick, I think, could go either way mm. on this one. Um, but God, this one, it's so, I love, love that they're like, we're in Hollywood now that's the trajectory of this and i think sydney lives in like nondescript california northern cal i don't know 
But uh, it seems real easy for everyone, all the major cast to just, just make just sing on Los Angeles. Yeah, it's never really an issue. Uh, I I just think it's like uh, such a fun trajectory of the camp of these movies. And I I know, like you were saying, Tim, it was a reaction to real world events. The the you know dialing back on the violence, and I do feel like it doesn't have as many fun scares, killings. It really doesn't have that. However, I do think that in the in the fun and humor that it it harkens to and in, in, uh, compared to two it makes up for it a bit um oh my gosh what's her face um parker posey, parker posey is just best. like perfect i mean she's always perfect but she's so yeah. good in this and like she's wearing them- the exact same outfit that courtney cox wore in scream one it's so great and then like giving <laughs> you know making patrick dempsey the like love interest of nev campbell it's well, like what? Well, making him the love interest, but also taking every opportunity to make him seem suspicious. Yeah. Like, oh my he, gosh, like, he, yes. Basically, every single time he pops on screen, yeah. there's the sound of a knife, like the shink kind of like sound uh-huh. effect to scare you. Nev Campbell's got a great golden retriever now. It's, it's got everything I Cherokee? can Cherokee? You mean Cherokee the dog? Is that his name? Ooh, Nev. That's not your stick, Nev. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoy this movie. Faults and all. Now, uh, Nick, with that type of setup, we need to know where you landed on Scream 3. It's interesting. When I watched this the first time back in the day when it came out in theaters, I did not enjoy this movie at all. I think it's because in my brain, it's still in my brain. I think where they needed to angle this was they needed to try and and, and do better than the first movie. But now that there's been quite a significant amount of time that's gone by, I can look at it for what it is. That would have been trying to chase Scream 1 is is that was the wrong choice. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't go with it. They drove this straight into the camp. They hired everyone that was, that could have possibly been hired for their budget. That was popular on MTV during those days, including Jenny McCarthy, who, you know, if you, if you came of age in the, in the late nineties and you were not, and you weren't aware of Jenny McCarthy, you were sleeping under a fucking rock. Um, I had so much fun watching this movie and recapping it. It's not scary. It makes no sense. And I loved every second of it. Bring on Scream 4 and Scream 5. That is exactly where I'm at with this movie, where it's like, man, Scream 1, especially now that we've seen these three, Scream 1 is special. And I think that 2 and 3 only make 1 more special. It really makes you realize that there was a lot going on there. And like, it's funny that we talked about how much watching parodies of it and you know, kind of being as familiar with jokes of it as the pop culture thing itself can sometimes like cloud your judgment and make the original thing feel less good scream i just think at this point is now even better for me where i'm like damn that shit they got the sauce and they they really succeeded two i was a little bit led astray i wasn't that into it i and i was kind of like wanting to like it way more than i actually did this oh my god they were just like all right we have what we have Let's just go for it and let's just be as ridiculous and over the top as possible. I love that throughout this entire thing, like I, I had multiple moments where I didn't ask myself, who's the killer? Like I did in number two. I was asking myself, wait a minute. Does anyone care who the killer is? <laughs> like <laughs> That seems like such a not even that. the plot. Like this movie is just like, let's just have fun with these characters that we all know and love for some fucking reason, just because we've been with them the last couple of years. But it's so funny to me that this movie I know succeeds because it has multiple get hype moments when they're about halfway through this film and the entire cast of the original movie is kind of together again. I was like, 
Let's go. I don't care what it is you guys are about to do. It's going to make me happy. It's going to make me laugh. And when Randy fucking Meeks comes back and it's <laughs> not from the dead, it's from a VHS tape that he pre-recorded. I was like, this is brilliant. This is exactly the level of, I don't even know what to call it, but I'm going to go with brilliance. I'm sticking with brilliance here. It was fantastic. The cameos that come out of nowhere. I guess Carrie Fisher's just here. Why? Love it. Why? You know, and it's like they, they uh, kind of play it straight, but uh, also Jay just and don't. Silent Bob. Right and then, hey, here's yeah. Jay and Silent Bob. Like, uh, sure. Why the Patrick fuck not? Patrick Warburton's in it. Oh, oh yeah. So good. Dewdrop. I love he calls yeah. Dewey Dewdrop. Wow. So <laughs> funny. So <laughs> goddamn funny. We gotta go. But <laughs> once again, <laughs> once again, I think my least favorite part of this movie is Dev Campbell. Like, it's so God, funny. Yeah, they just so put true. her front and center on the poster and shit because it's like. I just would have thought after the first movie that she would be the main character. And she's just really not. Somehow, Dewey and Courtney Cox are still the heart and soul of the Scream franchise. Joey Noel, what do you think? If there's one thing that's going to sell me on a movie, it's campiness. And man, Scream 3 come through on that. Like, I in the notes that I took on the movie last night... I would say a solid half of them are just about the casting choices because I didn't look at the IMDb before I watched it. We have, I wore my shirt specifically today, Josie and the Pussycats is the best movie ever, Join the Army, it's from Super Yaki, because Parker Posey is perfect in this movie. She's incredible in everything, but in this movie in particular, her being Gale is just... So perfection funny. i fucking love her she has some of the best lines in this entire movie my um, lawyer felt that the what's the <laughs> other one? Oh, so you asked her out and she said no like yeah. just so perfect i love her um i patrick dempsey no idea he was in the movie i guess i had watched this but just hadn't didn't have well, he wasn't the contextual i yeah i guess i just didn't have the context for it because yeah. He I liked from when I watched Grey's Anatomy. I loved Scott Wolf when he was in um, Scandal. And like all these things that I've watched, like obviously since I watched this from the first time. You have uh, Heather Matarazzo, who was Lily from The Princess Diaries as Randy's sister. Like all of just these like random things. I'm like, this is incredible. Uh, yeah, the plot for a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense. Why does this random producer have like all of these hidden trap doors in his house for all these weird things? Oh, oh. there goes my camera. Just oh my. No, she's being attacked. Uh -oh. She's being screamed. No, my hey. camera overheated. Oh, oh no, There's my a camera gift. overheated. We're gonna work on that. Um, but it's just perfect. It's perfect, and I love it. I'm gonna work on my camera. Hold on. James Wolves, take us home. What do you think? No, well, you can say it. No, please go ahead. I, I mean, we are all, I think we're all on the same page with this one. And we even, I think we even talked about it a little bit in the Scream 2, where it felt bumpy, right? Scream 2 felt bumpy, yeah. but I think it was bumpy so it could get us to this, right? I would rather hang out with someone who's like really, really smart and, and, and educated and knows a lot, Scream 1, or someone who's just a complete fun-loving doofus, Right. Not someone who thinks they're smart, but is actually a doofus. And that's where Scream 2 kind mm. of lands. You know, kind of like an Elise type. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, he told me I was smart. I married you, so you must be either very smart or a doofus. Um, at least you're definitely either a Scream 1 or a Scream 3. You are not a Scream 2. <laughs> thank you. I, and a smart, a smart thing to point out right now would be to tell you that Sydney is supposed to be 22 years yeah. old in this movie. Nice. Nice, perfect. She's like 35. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. 
not um, that does working not at a call center. Yeah. I, I think this movie, I, like, yeah, Tim, like you said, like half the time you're like, oh, wait, am I supposed to be concerned about the mystery? Like, it's really not like an issue. It's more like, will they, won't they? And like, like just going to the ha- like they just throw bodies at it, you know. They, you don't even have time to like learn or care who any of the people are. You think about the opening of Scream 2, and by the time Jada Pinkett is like being murdered, you're like, oh my gosh, like I kind of built a relationship with this person, and now they're dying in front of me. You didn't have a relationship with Jenny McCarthy? Don't care. Oh. None of them. <laughs> the, Jenny McCarthy, the guy who plays Dewey, uh, like like Dewey in the movie, like he just literally runs inside a house and he goes, I'm going to explode, and explodes. Like it's just oh. like. Holy it's just, shit! There's an explosion in this movie. I know. Yeah. It's it's just no, nobody cares. He's got the great moment with Gail Weathers where she, you know, he, she's like she meets him and then we'll talk about it later. Well, because yeah, yeah, but but still, it the movie doesn't care as much, and I'm okay with that. It doesn't because you don't really ask any questions, Joey. I love that your relationship with Randy's sister is not from Devil's Advocate because that's where it came from for me. <laughs> Very different. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's silly, it's stupid, it's fun. I don't think it's good, and I don't know that it was like all of it was intentional. But I think at some point in the finished product, they were like like someone along whether the editor or not was like, no one's gonna care. Let's just let's just keep yeah. moving. Let's keep moving. <laughs> but that's that makes it fun. I think that makes it fun. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the plot, I want to give you guys some some fun facts here. The house used during the climax where most of the killing takes place is the same house that was used as a school in Halloween H2O. Mm. It's a little oh, wow. crossover situation okay. going on there. Um, and then th- this is a question for you, for anybody, but I think Nick will have the answer. The Jay and Silent Bob situation uh going on in this movie. Are they standing in the exact same place that we see in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back? It's it kind of feels like they are, but I, that's why that's what that was my question. I was like, what is this supposed to be in reference to? What is this an homage to? Because I don't know if that was the same. Like, I don't. I, I have I think no idea. It was. I think it was a reference to the fact that they go to the studio, the studio right? or whatever when they're in Strike Back. They head to Hollywood and go to because the they studio. go on the tour in the studio, right? And then they yeah, like kind I think of veer so. Off. That's how because I before I ever saw Scream Three, I knew Jay and Silent and Bob were in it. Well, you were a big fan of them. Because I watched. Didn't them, you do like, a Halloween costume? I, I was. I yes, I was once Silent Bob for Halloween. Um, I had no J, so I just looked like a hobo. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So like, I I just remember think like someone let me know like, oh yeah, they're also in this movie because I thought it was really cool that they appeared in like a universe type thing. Yeah, um, and they're they're also in Scream Three, and it wouldn't be until years later. But that was at but the like, time that I I recall like. Jay and Silent Bob strike back and they had like this Hollywood vibe. So I think the implication is that while they were there, they ran into the scream folks. Kind of cool. It <laughs> raises it's a lot of questions. Like weird, that, but they yeah. think Johnny Chun. Yeah. But they also wait. Did we talk about the fact that Carrie Fisher was also in both movies? Well, that's weird too. But I mean, the thing is, I was thinking about that. I thought way too hard about this next Yeah. But like that kind of makes sense because Jay and Silent Bob are like the characters in the viewers mm-hmm. universe. Right. But then there's a lot of actors in those different movies that act as different characters. Different so characters, like yeah. mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher being two different things. Isn't that weird. That's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, I don't know. I that just, was such I a, weird, what a weird take you out of the movie moment where they were like, wait, are you? And she's like, no, I just look like her. I almost got princess Leia. I'm like, wait, this is breaking my brain. But yeah, if there's one thing I'm a sucker for, and I know James is too, is movies about movies. And I love oh, yeah. it. I fucking yeah. love them. I don't care if this is not real. 
it's just so fun to go when they go to the production office. I was like, yeah, that's what a cool like that's what a production mm-hmm. office would look like, and that's where they'd keep the props and stuff. It's always fun for me. And then yeah. the the last two things I got for you here are this is Scott Foley's feature film debut. Oh. So that's interesting. Uh, he didn't know he was the killer until three weeks into shooting when one of the oh, production Scott Foley. I thought you, Joe, you said Scott Wolf. Oh, was sorry. From... That was my I was like, I was racking my brain. I was like, wait, where, when was Scott Wolf in Me this movie? Too. Did I watch the same thing? Scott no, Wolf was from I just my party five or my so called mixed life. up in terms of name. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that I, I love here is that uh, throughout the film, Sydney is seen wearing Greek letters around her neck. And that was from Jerry O'Connell. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's screen two. Yeah. So it's only 22. She hasn't gotten over it. Well, <laughs> that happened like six months ago. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, she gets over it pretty much by the end of the movie in like the dorkiest way possible. And well, we'll talk, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it right about now. Let's get to the plot, everybody. Punk's your brother. All right. Please tell us the story. Hey, please tell us the story of Scream 3. We start on the scariest thing I could possibly imagine. Los Angeles traffic. Cotton Weary is stuck in it and he gets a call on his cell phone. So he hangs up on his car phone. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks on his car phone. To get an answer on his cell phone. On I fucking phone. loved this. It's so sad. I think you guys just need to understand how difficult it was growing up in the late '90s, early 2000s. It was he had a probably had a pager in there too. There was just mm-hmm. so many different confusing ways to be contacted. Uh, but it turns out the person on the other end recognizes him because she watches his show 100% Cotton. Cotton. Which is the worst name for a show. Silence, Nick. It's Silence. the best. No, it it's great. Best. Ever. It's the what best. Other, what other like pun or play on words would you have if your last name was Cotton? Come on. Cotton candy. So good. Uh, oh, yeah. That, 100% cotton or cotton candy for a TV I mean, show. it's okay. So let's talk about this. 100% cotton is a great name, but not for this weird, like hard copy Maury Povich show that he is doing, which is totally like, I don't know. It was it's perfect for the movie. I just hate it. But you're supposed to hate this character anyway. And shout out to Lev Shriver for for coming back to this role. Anyway, uh, she tells him, you're a naughty boycott. And what would your girlfriend say? He says, what makes you think I have a girlfriend? He goes, because I'm standing right outside of her shower door. And it's like, oh, no, it's happening again. The caller wants to know where Sydney is and he's willing to kill to get the answer. Of course, Cotton races home while Christine gets out of the shower and drops her towel, her wet towel on the carpet, which is terrifying. Because you're not going to mm-hmm. get that smell out of there. And it's going to be mildewy. And this That's whole true. thing, I will say, she's walking through this house dripping everywhere. And I'm just like, what Towel the fuck in the is bathroom. her problem? Like, and why would you do this? But then there's the payoff. And I'm like, they knew what they were doing. Also, like, that actress was from Melrose Place, right? I think Kelly so. Kelly Rutherford. She was also in Gossip Girl. Oh, okay. That's what okay. I know her from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghostface. Stars has cut the phone line already and 911 isn't answering so christine is all alone when she hears creed start playing in the background now tim (laughs) i know what you're going to say here you're going to say nick always thinks every band that sounds like that is creed but i looked it up it was actually creed this time (laughs) not crazy (laughs) Uh, cotton comes home of course Uh, let's see christine hears cotton come home but when she goes uh, to greet him, it's Ghostface, and he chases after uh, she chases her up into the bedroom where she locks herself in, and then he starts stabbing through the locked door. Cotton comes home and searches for Christine. Uh, he sees the knife marks on the door uh, and uh, starts freaking well, out, so he busts in. I was I was say we get the full evolution of the voice changer yes. at this mm-hmm. point, which mm-hmm. is it can do any, any voice, voices. living or dead. Yes. 
Uh, it doesn't matter whether or not it's heard the voice before or that voice has ever spoken. It can do it perfectly. Well, I have a theory about this, but... Okay, go ahead. Hit oh, us with the theory. Let's go. We'll talk about when we get it. No, because I know why... Because James is upset because he has her mother's voice. He uses Sid's mother's voice, which is on the recorder. How? I think because well, he found the old movies she was in. He found the old movies, yeah. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And my he, my okay. assumption is all you need is a sample of someone's voice for this yeah. this highly highly sought after technology to be able to recreate your voice. Now again, this is where my brain starts working. Why in God's name would you not just have this technology and then sell it to the United States military for like yeah. billions of dollars? Why do you even want and then fund your own stupid shitty horror movies? That's what yeah. I plan to do on one day with Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you're gonna scan his voice? No, Kevin's gonna help me sell it to the military because I don't have any, I don't have military contacts, James. I'm oh, just right. a simple guy from Riverside, California. Kevin, on the other hand, I got some military friends. I'll he's got some you. military contacts. Nice. Good so, uh, oh, by the way, I'm gonna need samples of everyone's voices after this podcast because you guys mm-hmm. are already got them. Already got them. Yeah. This, this <laughs> pretty early in this movie, around here, you see the voice changer thing. It was what I realized what this movie was gonna be, and that excited me. It scared mm-hmm. me a little bit for a second, but it's it excited so me as it went. It's so stupid, but I love the the concept and idea of this guy's a talk show host so it's like they have a lot of clips of him speaking like if he if his voice was being used i'm like oh that's actually kind of cool and that makes sense but then yeah as it goes on it's just whoever the fuck they want in any way shape or form i was like why not it's fun but you know what it reminds me of every single time that that the moment where uh john connor calls home and oh, yeah. it's uh how's wolfie knife through the milk crate Oh no, we'll be fine. fine. He's like, What's it? What is your dog's name? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what was the original dog's name? It wasn't Wolfie, right? It was something it was else, Rufus or something like something that. Something stupid like that. He's like, What's wrong with Wolfie? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that. He's a super advanced robot AI, and he goes, Dogs, <laughs> Wolf, Wolfie. He if I were the other Terminator, I'm like, can we stop for a second? Fucking Wolfie, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I was on the pressure. Uh, <laughs> he busts out the door, and Christine comes in and hits him with a golf club. Uh, she knocks him out, and then golf, uh, Ghostface stabs her in the back for her efforts. Cotton and Ghostface fight, and Cotton loses, but not before Ghostface reveals his voice synthesizer can synthesize anything. Uh, and this man, I'll tell you what, this movie was way ahead of its time when it came to deep fakes. Sydney. Uh, then I guess he stabs. He stabs shit out of. I forgot. I didn't write that in here, but uh, Cotton gets stabbed at. Sydney comes home. I think the transition from stabbing Cotton to the title screen is really good in this. That's great. They I finally got that. it in this yeah, one. They finally yeah. got it, but they finally got it with honestly easily the weakest intros to these mm-hmm. movies. Like mm-hmm. Scream Two, for all its faults, that intro was fantastic. And Scream okay. One, oh my god! But at least sing it. Go I love the meta version of this of Cotton being a nothing part in the first movie, and now we're opening it with he's now the the cold open. He's in Hollywood. There's helicopters over. Like I think it's so fucking campy, and I love it. James Willems, Funhouse. Cotton Weary lives in an apartment complex, <laughs> but has a home the size of a multi-story house. Yes, and that that I mean that does exist here. I am aware that that exists, but. He gets a parking spot right out front. Come on. What are we talking about here? That's that is me right out of it. Shatters the illusion. Super unbelievable. That always happens, by the way, when they do stuff, anything at San Francisco. And I just fucking roll my eyes and Mm -hmm. think about that time that I legitimately had to pull over in a Cal food mart and smoke a cigarette because I had been looking for parking for an hour Mm -hmm. in my own neighborhood. 
You can't watch So I Married an Axe Murderer. It'll drive no. you crazy. He's <laughs> no. constantly. Or he's basic constant, I feel like there's like five or ten shots in that movie where he just makes that half U-turn right to where he needs to land. Yeah. <laughs> pisses me off every single time. Uh, we cut back over to Sydney where she comes home to her remote, uh, heavily arm, alarmed compound alongside her faithful golden retriever. Now, I know Very we're deep. all dog lovers here. And I love mm-hmm. a good golden retriever like anyone else out there. But would this be the dog you chose to guard your fucking house? Whoa. Would it be? No, I would retrievers will go home with anyone. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they don't care. I would have a team of like three to four German shepherds, and I would keep maybe them a Rottweiler for just funsies. hungry enough, right, Joe? Oh. Like just hungry enough so that maybe after a couple of days, there's only two of them left, and I'm like, good. They I ate also, the other one. I also like how she she comes in that gate, she closes the gate, and then uses like a keypad. To like Gate set it, it or whatever. It's like it's like I mean I could hurdle that gate yeah. in one step, or better yet, I could reach around and do whatever I needed it. to. Like it's it's like the worst gate ever. Yeah, I know. Like it's one of those things where to to compare it to another series that we're gonna do, um, the Halloween franchise, right? Where you see them thought like kind of thinking out and thinking through where Jamie Lee Curtis Curtis's character would be after all of the shit she had to deal with. And it, I think they did a better job there. She's got floodlights. She's got guns under every mm-hmm. cabinet. She's training in the background to, like, shoot shotguns. And, like, she's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Fucking grad. In this one, she's like, I have an alarm pad. And, like, that's mm-hmm. what you learned. <laughs> a golden retriever. A golden retriever. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I know that this is, like, such a stupid thing to nitpick. But, like, out of the life that this woman has lived. She's going to decide in her free time to stay at home alone making phone calls? Yeah. Like, what the? Like, I would be, I would <laughs> never answer the phone again. I wouldn't have a what phone. What are you doing? I wouldn't have a phone. I'd be <laughs> like, what is the one commonality between all of these things? The phone. The fucking yeah. phone. <laughs> what have I been most traumatized for? And that's yeah. what I'm picking yeah. for my free time. She could have been a, a like a, Tell a knife salesman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> going around selling cut code to her neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh, of course, we do see her uh, manning the crisis line, the California Women's Crisis uh, Counseling line, uh, which I actually thought was kind of a cool thing for her character because she actually ends up being able to do that remotely. Uh, we cut over to Gail Weathers, who has not changed a bit, and I love Gail's character arcs in all these movies because it's the same arc every single time. Oh my she god! Starts though starts. Can we just selfish- talk? I know, I, I know what he's going to talk about. I know what he's going to yeah. talk about. Do you want to bang this out real quick? Let's bang it out, Nick. Oh, my God. No, At least hit me with a bang song. Uh, bang, da-da-dang, ba-dang, dang Courtney Cox's hair. Bang, da-da-dang, dang, ding, ding, ding. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bang, da-da-dang, dang dang Courtney Cox's hair, a new podcast, a podcast. I love it. I went full circle Do you love it? I hated it at first, but by the end, I was like, I fucking love. I miss the nineties. I, I wish I thought to introduce this at the beginning, but can we do a thing where we rank Courtney Cox's hairstyles in the oh, that's movies? It. That's that's yeah. what. Yeah. Bang, but bang, I don't want to rate a, rank a woman's appearance, but I feel like she's also self awarely commented on it. Oh yeah, at this just point. Well, the hair. It's not her. We're ra- yeah, it's just the hair. Or it's just style. The hair. He's it's laughed just, about it yeah. now. You know, there's enough time. I think mm-hmm. that's passed. But and and again, all of these styles are so unbelievably like stereotypical. She, for she looks era. like oh, it, yeah. like if you put numbers next to them, it feels like it would. They're like options in Monster Hunter when you're creating your character. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Which one do you want to sit yeah. atop your head? This was from a few years ago. Her her making light of it. Oh, nice. 
Oh, Jesus I love Christ. them. I love those. Season. I love those short, like blunted bangs. They're just so a sign of the time. But I, I, I came around to it, man. I think it's better than her uh, Norman Oswald uh, cut from the last mm, one with the tiger stripes. I don't know. I don't know. Norman, tiger stripes Norman, are also Norman so Oswald. iconic, though. Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely goes one, two, and a huge cliff to three. <laughs> oh, I like. I think two was terrible. I thought oh, four. There's four. I love four. This we got one more to rank in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Next week. Or yeah. later this week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's your first uh, episode of Bang to the Bang to Bang to Bang Boogie Woogie. Joey, can we see if we can get that on Twitter, please? Yes, I will work on that podcast. We're going to need this. While she does that, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Fall is always busy, but one thing that you can cut from your list is going to the grocery store. Thanks to HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a huge variety with 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week. They've got vegetarian meals for people like Paula Coelho. They've got calorie smart meals for people like, well, should be me. And even extra special gourmet options for people like Kevin Coelho. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Uh, plus, the fall harvest is officially on with HelloFresh. They're rolling out seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls mm, and Friendsgiving ready sides. Gia's been making a whole bunch of stuff. There was the sausage penne. Oh my God. It was great. So fantastic. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash morning14 and use code morning14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's up to 14 free meals, including free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash morning14 with code morning14. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And also shout out to me undies. It's fall, y'all. Replace that hydration station with pumpkin spice lattes and go out of your way to step on crunchy leaves because the coziest time of year has arrived. And I love being cozy with my me undies. I always am talking about it. I'm wearing the me undies shirt right now. Of course, I got the lounge pants. Of course, I got the socks and would it be me undies without the undies themselves? No, it would not. They are the softest undies I've ever worn. I refuse to wear any other undies at this point. That's been the case for years, and it's never going to change. I simply love my me undies. Uh, you are not going to be able to stop lounging. There's so many different options. You've been warned. Here is your warning, everybody. Uh, they're available in sizes extra small through 4XL in a variety of classic colors, iconic prints. Me undies has your back and your butt all fall long. Me undies is offering 15% off and free shipping for first time purchasers and if you're not satisfied with any product for any reason they'll refund or exchange it no caveats no questions to get 15% off your first order free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com slash morning that's meundies.com slash morning meundies.com slash morning back to the plot I love looking by the way I want everyone to know usually when I do these character synopses or the movie synopses it's usually about one to like anywhere between like six to seven pages I love seeing what page we land on before Tim has to get to the ad read. <laughs> that usually tells we're me how much people here. loved this movie. Catching up to Gail Weathers. Uh, by the way, we're on page one. Uh, <laughs> catching up to Gail Weathers, who's given a lecture on how to be literally and metaphorically cutthroat when she receives a message from McDreamy PD. That's right. Lover boy himself. Can't buy me love. Outside. And he, uh, he uh, catches Gail up on uh, the fact that Cotton and his girlfriend have been murdered and that the killer left a picture of one Sidney Prescott's mom when she was younger, who was Maureen Prescott. I should have just wrote that down. Everyone knows who she is by now. Sidney watches as the news breaks on TV and realizes it's all happening again. And then only one time in this movie. And this, again, this is why this movie is going to rank super low on my list. We get one iteration 
of Red Right Hand, and it plays right oh, now okay, okay. as we head over to the studio where they are filming Stab 3. Did I miss Stab 2? Was Stab 2 in it? And that was just not a thing, right? I don't think well, so. But, no, but yeah, I, I mean, they didn't really reference it. I think this is just, you know, them kind of like playing with the time. Because a key it. thing yeah. to keep in mind here, Scream 1 was 96, Scream 2, 97. This was 2000 in real real time so you gotta imagine there was time passing in in their world as I well love, but i love that right i love that we're in the third generation they just skipped the third generation they're like yeah the second one happened and the yeah. fourth the fourth one gets even more ridiculous with that which i love too but uh <laughs> no future spoilers um, but i, can't I would wait. love to have been a fly on the wall for every character reveal in this movie to see joey's reaction like joey oh when you saw patrick dempsey dempsey like <laughs> Did you like your popcorn like fly everywhere? <laughs> my notes, the notes that I wrote down, it says I literally gasped when Patrick Dempsey appeared on screen. Like uh, I think two, two, it was Patrick Dempsey and Carrie Fisher that got the audible, like, <gasps> and then Parker Posey just had me like losing my mind. Ah, uh, we're right. We're we're very simpatico on this one, Joe. Uh, the producers of the movie are having a very interesting discussion as to whether or not they should shut the film down. Uh, and they're like, no, 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 we can't shut the film down. And then one of them's like, why don't we ask the, the police? And he goes, hey, do you think these things are related? And he goes, he was making a movie called Stab. He was stabbed. Mm-hmm. This is funny. I don't, I don't know. That actor's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And he's I, like, he's always a dick in everything. He's yeah. In. He's like. Ben Stillater, you know, is yeah, what yeah, I yeah. would uh, call a sharp, like a sharper Ben, <laughs> ben Stiller. Ben, ben Stiller vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we meet the new cast of the movie Stab 3, which includes Jenny McCarthy, who was playing Casey, right? Was she supposed to be playing Casey's character? Yes. Because this was a recreation of – this is what got confused me. Because this is Stu's house, right? It's Sydney's it's, house. It's Sydney's house. But it or they're the, repurposing oh, the interior with the exterior. Because this is what was tripping, man. So she walks onto the set. She yeah. sees the boat and she sees a garage that has beer bottles broken in it, which is where Casey died. And she fell yeah. onto the boat. You're so right. I think this is Stu's house, but well, that she was, well, yeah. It's, it's because it's it's stab three return to Woodsboro. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I didn't know if it's just like it created its own um like fictional kind of narrative like it created a new story and yeah we we it's unclear what in the stab franchise where the climax of that film took place that's fair so you think presumably they rewrote it they had they took some artistic liberties i don't even know they put it or or they just they created a new original story where they brought them back to woodsboro was my understanding because they have the they have the gale character they've got so the 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 characters here we have jenna mccarthy of course love jenna mccarthy uh icon of the early aughts uh emily mortimer is in this movie who yeah. is in a ton of stuff now great actor she's playing sydney uh parker posey of course we'll meet in a, in a second playing gail and then dion richmond who i freaking love because he was anyone is Have he randy film? right in this movie? He, well he plays ricky no no in this, the new randy. he's ricky and they make but fun of him back because... in the day he was bud on the cosby show he played Kenny on the Cosby show. And I love that because it's an ongoing joke in psych. Everyone always calls, uh, they always call, um, oh, damn, now I'm blank on his name. That character's uh, actor's name. Anyway, it's an ongoing joke in psych. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, the joke about how Tori Smalling and David Schwimmer didn't want to come back. Uh, Gail arrives on no set fun. and starts secretly filming. She is immediately met by her doppelganger, Parker Posey, who has the character down pat. Thanks to the film's technical advisor, Officer Dewey. 
Gail meets another do- the other Dewey, who is way more handsome, and then laughs as he gets escorted uh, as uh, Gail gets escorted off stage and bumps right into Jay and Silent Bob. What the hell? What like is every this movie? the last like three yeah. sentences you just said are so funny. I love that this is the direction they took the movie. That's like we're gonna legit cast you characters, you people, you real people as characters yeah. in this movie. We're going all in, and it's about to be fun as hell. I don't. Here's Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> I want to say. I disrespected the psychos out there. Dulé Hill. I don't know why I couldn't pick Dulé Hill's name out of my brain. him? Of course, plays Gus. No, it's not him. They always joke about how people mistake Dulé Hill for having played Bud on The Cosby Show. It's a little in-joke that happens. Okay, because Dulé Hill is West Wing, right? Yes, he's West Wing. Okay, because I was like, that's not the same person. No, not at all. Not at all. I digress. Uh, Gail meets, let's see, uh, Sydney hangs out with her dad, who's in this for a second. He's back. And you're like, He's oh, back. the dad's going to be in this. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. One scene, this poor guy. Does she gets. live with her dad or is he just visiting? Because I also feel like if I were Sydney, I would not want to live by myself. Yeah. He came with groceries, right? Isn't he like, yeah, he brought stuff. So I feel, and he also is basically telling her that she's a, she's going crazy. She's a a recluse, yeah. Her, right. Like, so I assume he just came out to stop by. For I'm with Joey. Food. I wouldn't want to be by myself. Um, he says, listen, man, your mom had some secrets and that's just how it goes. And her dad wants her to come home. He's worried about her living on the sticks. And she retorts, psychos can't kill what they can't find. And he's like, you have an alarm system you bought at Home Depot. And I'm not even yeah, sure yeah. it's hooked up correctly. I hopped over the gate to get here. So yeah. like, <laughs> I didn't call it. <laughs> that night, Sydney has a comically weird dream about her mom being a vampire or something. This- I, I this is see this is why this movie is just in a different thing altogether. It, like, could you imagine there being a sleep like a dream murder sequence in the fir- like? No way would there no. be a dream murder sequence in the first movie. It breaks so many rules to be like we're going to show the audience what her dreams are, and that's what's going to be the scary point for this movie. It's just not fair because it has nothing. It, you'd have to tell the killer after the fact the ti- your timing was great because yeah. right before you spin, spun all this up, I had a nightmare had about a nightmare. my mom being a vampire. <laughs> like, like it's just such cheating that I I love that they knew they were cheating. They're like, we don't care. Who cares? We need it's fifteen minutes. We needed to do a scare. <laughs> Uh, Jenny McCarthy arrives at the Stab 3 production offices and no one's there. Uh, Tyson scares the shit out of her uh, with his makeup test and then leaves her to find uh, Roman who wanted to meet her there to do a script read through or something like that. Uh, but we're kind of getting that. We're like, man, I don't know, maybe it was the killer. Because remember, he's got super advanced technology where he can synthesize anyone's voice perfectly. Uh, she then gets a call from Roman who tells her she, he's 10 minutes away, stuck in traffic. Uh, she's unhappy with uh, with uh, all of her lines and all that stuff. He's like, well, let's just read through the script and completely dismisses her. She reads the scene where the character answers the phone, but Roman goes off script. It's not just a new script. It's a new movie, my movie. And it's called Sarah Gets Scared Like a Pig. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, I'm going to die. She hangs up and runs towards the front door, but a shadow coming uh, in scares her. Uh, so she goes and hides in wardrobe where there are literally 1,000 ghost face costumes. I uh, love this whole scene because like, it, it goes back to the, it's not scary at all, but I think it's very well designed to be interesting and engaging. Like I was stoked to see what was going to go down. Her going into that room with all the ghost faces, it's like, well, this is a bad place for you to be. Like, It <laughs> reminds me a lot of the Halloween episode of Boy Meets World where it's like, yeah, no uh, element of this is scary, but it all just feels right. So good. Yeah. I think I the thing that I wrote down about this scene is like the way that the franchise manages to like 
put these characters in scenes where there are so many ghost faces is always kind of impressive. First, we have the movie theater, we have this, and it like mm-hmm. they all kind of make sense. They're not like really egregious, but mm-hmm. they're like, how do we get these? <laughs> how do we get them so off kilter with it? And like, yeah, with all of like the fake weapons and stuff like that, I think it's really fun. Uh, she calls the studio helpline for some reason as one of the cops behind her pushes her into the prop department where she tries to fight him off with a plastic knife and hilarity ensues. Uh, and then Ghostface just cramps her through a, a glass and one of the doors and then stabs her to death and leaves her body draped over the door. Gail and Dewey have lunch and talk about how things just mm-hmm. didn't work out between the two of them. Uh, off the record, two months ago, the Woodsboro police got a call from a woman asking for Sid's file, but the cop said no. So the police, uh, the, the department was broken into, but thankfully Dewey thought ahead and already removed her file. Uh, Dewey gets a page from Jennifer and Jets, and then Gail's like, I'm on this case because I work for the police. So she tails him up uh, to the Hollywood Hills, I assume, where Parker Posey is overwhelmed that Jenny McCarthy died. Uh, the killer is killing the characters in the order in which they die in Stab 3. And guess whose character is next? Big old Gale. Uh, also, Putty from Seinfeld is in this movie, and it's weird. <laughs> and I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, Dewey tells Stone to inspect the grounds, and Putty tells him to go pound sand since everyone he tried to protect kind of died. And that's kind of an guy. He raises a good point there. He's like, I've protected Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep, and everyone you've protected has died. And he's like, hmm. We, well, we get an opportunity for more meta movies within movies in the Scream franchise. I want a bodyguard reboot with Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, don't know how we fit to his arms. McDreamy and his partner wonder if the killer is going to come after the cops. And Gail asks if they have any leads. Uh, Dewey tells them they should put more guards on Jennifer since she's next to the script, next in the script. But McDreamy says there are three different versions of the script to keep things from leaking. Uh, so we don't know who's actually going to be next. They arrest Roman because he was last to speak with Sarah and his phone and all that stuff. And McDreamy borrows Dewey's cell phone for some reason. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a huge plot point, And it never comes back, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, th- this was a funny thing uh, that is such a moment in time of like where we're at now with technology of like what a cell phone means is so different then. Like, can you imagine like a cop nowadays being like, oh, can I borrow your cell phone? No, no, mm-hmm. no, Absolutely you cannot. Not. But back then, it's like, what's you going to do? Call somebody? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. who cares? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Uh, let's see. Sydney gets a call on the crisis line from a woman who who uh, who said she killed someone, and then she realizes the call is actually coming through her on her home line and has skipped the co- the crisis line altogether. And she's like, "Oh no!" And the killer tells her to turn on the news. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Uh, she pulls out a revolver and starts shooting wildly into the night like Joe Pesci when he comes out of the cabin of my cousin Vinny. That didn't actually happen, but in my brain, I was like, that would have been a great little deleted save. Yeah. And you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. No. But it was a part in my cousin Vinny that fucking made me laugh out loud in the theater when I was a kid. Look it up. <laughs> Dewey heads back to Jennifer's house where Tom is tearing up pages of the script and being a dick to Emily Mortimer. Uh, Angelina is her character's name. Gail shows up and spies on Dewey and Jennifer as they talk about Gail having a good heart but also being kind of cruel and selfish. Then Stone finds uh, her and brings her inside and tells them that the police released Roman. Uh, the call to Sarah's uh, phone came from a clone phone, so they can't tra- they can't uh, leak it to him at all. Then she tells Dewey that Marine Prescott vanished from Woodsboro for a few years, and Dewey recognizes one of the background uh backgrounds uh, in one of the pictures from Marine as the back lot in Sunrise Studios and like dun 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 she used to be an actor and apparently there's a mark at Sunrise Studios where you, the, every new actor has it's to stand a, it's on a photo spot yeah it's so like so they Disneyland. can take the exact same picture 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, the retconning of the first, the first glimpse of retconning of like, oh yeah, I'm sure that in the first movie when they talk about Sydney's mom, the whole point where she just vanished for two years never would have come up. But sure, mm-hmm. we're gonna go with this. I. But to be fair, this movie fully acknowledges that. Yep. And which I is respect it. Why it's so great. Yeah. Uh, Dewey calls Stone, who is creepily searching Dewey's trailer, but it's not Dewey; it's the killer, and then the killer just. This movie has Stone originally was written and was supposed to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Awesome. Wow. I would have done that. Wow. I don't know if it would be better or worse. It would have been entertaining, though. Patrick Warburton in this role is just like so wild. He's like, hey, we got a killer coming. (laughs) His voice is so good. (laughs) But it's like it doesn't fit with the world. And also Patrick Warburton's a pretty he gets typecast, obviously, but he's a pretty good actor. Like they could have had him just be like a bodyguard. But they're like, no, do putty. Call him do drop. We're going to get this killer. Um, We we skipped over the part, though, where Parker Posey is overwhelmed with the drama of it all. And then just and then just gets picked up into his arms. Yeah, I got mixed up in where I Mm -hmm. I heard Patrick and I thought we had gotten to that part. Clearly we had it. But yeah, the whole thing we did because he dies now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, this movie, like, listen. I get it. Horror movies play with your expectation and they play w- and they do that. One of, one of the tools with which they do that is by, you know, the camera angle and the edit and a character jumping out from a closet or something. But fuck this trailer <laughs> is six feet long. Mm-hmm. And this killer jumps out from a, like the back of the trailer where you're like, you it would have totally known that guy was back yeah. there. It doesn't matter. I love it. This kill this character. This is the this is the the part of the franchise where I'm like, they did not even try to make this character like believable. Make it plausible that this character, this, the killer, it's can fodder. be in these It's places. body fodder. Is what it's yeah, just, and it's like, who cares? Thank God they shut down production because I don't know how he would have had time with like directing and looking at dailies and being in the edit bay. Oh, yeah, terrorize yeah, yeah, yeah. people. But yeah, well, you know, at least uh, <laughs> as a person who's directed a lot of um, really bad internet videos, I can tell you, you just don't pay attention to stuff. Oh, shit, just sorts itself out. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. It, in fact, actually, I, so I go by the rule of thumb: the less I'm there, the better the production is. Right, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> the better the final product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. Uh, of course, he gets stabbed. Back in the main house, everyone watches as Stone stumbles in and dies on the stoop, but he's like trying to point at Dewey, and I was like, "Don't fucking do that!" And then don't do uh, that, bro. Also, like, up. like this death is one of the most ridiculous deaths we've had in this franchise so far, where it's like. It is so over the top, like him being alive and in his dying emotions, being able to just stand there and like point. It's like, I don't know. It it this was the bad type of camp for me. Well, I was like, I didn't like that that at all. Mm-hmm. And then somebody cuts the power, and everyone starts to freak out. And this scene is terrible. <laughs> I can't explain how terrible this scene is. <laughs> Uh, they run outside, and then a fax starts, and they're like, let's all run back inside. It's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. It's so yeah. mm-hmm. This feels like, for somebody who's never seen Scary Movie, where, like, the line between Scream and Scary Movie kind of <laughs> yeah, blur yes. a little bit. Yep. I uh, love that it's a time capsule, though. A fax machine. We should be so lucky that this would be one of, you know, one of the key moments in this. Elise, can I ask you a question? Have I used a fax machine? Yes. Yes. Do you know how fax machines work? 
Well, it would need to be. We need to have power. Oh, that's a huge point. I like yeah. think about that. Yes, I mean, yes, I yeah. I mean, I definitely entered you know the working world at an age where I did use did have to use a fax machine. Mm -hmm. Still, now Joey, you're probably a bit too young to ever have to have dealt with a fax. I'm sure you saw one. You know, I, worked in, you know I worked in an office where we had to fax stuff. You fax some stuff occasionally. I'm gonna be completely honest. I could not begin to explain to you what a fax machine looked like. Okay, like so a fax a facsimile machine or a fax machine as they call it. Was a you put a piece of paper? It's a scanner that then would dial over the phone line another fax machine and then print that out on their end. So when you sign stuff, you would fax it over and then it would print out a signed copy of it. And if the now other again, fax machine isn't on, it can't receive the fax message. Here, your bit, here's my point to this this long diatribe that I'm sure Is people it are rolling actually their eyes a with. facsimile machine. Is that what fax is short for? I could I I could be wrong, but it's Kevin, like, it's you look it Here's what I'm going to say, though. You yeah. need not one, but two fax machines mm -hmm. in order to make a fax machine right. Where was the killer faxing the other pages from? Is there another fax machine in the house? <laughs> I love Why would this. you need two fax machines in the house? Was he you in Dewey's even, trailer? You couldn't just even faxing? do that. What's that? They'd have you to have separate phone, phone numbers. Yeah. Phone lines, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> what, did they run to the neighbor's well, house and he's faxing these things in? Was there, like, was this at a time when you could do text to fax? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't I don't really technology now. <laughs> oh God, I love this movie. I love that I don't care about the stuff. I love that yeah. none of this shit matters because, of course, uh, the joke is, or the the gag here is that they're faxing pages of a script that's uh, just saying what's going on right there, and then everyone goes, "We got to get out of this house." So they run back out of the house. And then Tom's like, I got to know how this ends. And he reads it. He says, the killer will give mercy too. And he's like, oh, I can't see this because at least pointed out there's no power. Even though I guess that <laughs> perhaps this was one of those rare battery powered fax machines fax that they used to use. Mm -hmm. He lights a lighter and it says, the killer will give mercy to whomever smells the gas. And he's like, no. And then the whole house just and, explodes. But the best what? thing is this shot is he blows up like Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Like it starts at his at his abdomen and he explodes into a thousand particles and then from that the house and I just like that's not how any of that works at all like uh, and then this kicked it up a notch like yeah, this yeah. scene like this uh, to me it was horrible but mm -hmm. like the explosion brought it back to the right type of horrible boy from here on out I'm like all right mm -hmm. we are in for this shit and then everyone as if. They were all standing on the precipice of a very steep hill, start tumbling down the mountain, and they land on the street below. And I'll tell you, if I had a dollar for every time I liked a movie where someone wound, like, had to run down the Hollywood Hills to another street or whatever like that, mm -hmm. I can think of all of them, right? Joey, you've got your uh, La La Lands, right? You've mm -hmm. got your, you've got your uh, uh, Nice Guys, right, where they have the fights down the Hollywood Hills. Two Days in the Valley. Two Days in the Valley, Princess perfect Bride. example. Perfect. I would actually be needing to go back and watch again. Um. Anyway, the whole house blows up. They all tumble down the hill. Uh, Gale almost gets attacked by Ghostface, but Dewey shoots him three times in the chest, and he escapes. Uh, at this point, I'd be like, okay. Um, so I shot him in the chest. I saw that I shot him in the chest. He's clearly wearing a bulletproof vest. So maybe I'm not going to shoot him in the chest. I'm mm -hmm. just going to throw that out there. But Dewey is a dumb shit. Uh, Jennifer punches Dewey. Uh, let's see. He, uh, he runs away. They find another picture of uh, of Maureen Prescott, and on the back of it, this is like killed her. And then Gale and and uh, other Gale get into it because Gale punches Dewey and then Dewey punches her or whatever. And then Angelina stumbles from the forest all weird and shit. And everyone's like, did you do this? Are you the killer? 
and it's strange. And this is where we get that great line, right? Where Jennifer punches Dewey in the face and then Gail punches Jennifer in the face and then Jennifer goes down and then she goes, my lawyer just loved that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So good. It's all, it's all cheese. I know. My camera is over. That line was so good. It made Joey's camera go dark. Uh, I mean, Dream is also very impressed by Parker Posey. I'm going to let this chill for a second. I'll turn back. Parker Posey, let's go around the table right now. Did she ever get her due? At least. Absolutely not. No, she hasn't gotten her due. Um, she, I mean, she, obviously, Christopher Guest recognized the genius of Parker Posey and mm-hmm. utilizes her and lifts her up in every production he does. Parker Posey, though, has not gotten the acclaim, the universal acclaim she deserves. Well, but you say that about Martin Short as well. So if we're comparing Parker Posey to Martin Short, I would say both of them have gotten I have a lot of heroes. A lot of do. Joey's just me. I know Joey's camera went down because she was uh, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Parker Posey. Here's the thing, everybody. We are in the time of the Hanissance. Like, Catherine Hahn has now gotten her due. Mm-hmm. Now we need to rally behind Parker Posey and Judy Greer. Agreed. That's our, mm-hmm. that's our mm-hmm. collective jobs right now yeah i'm also gonna say before as we go off on this tangent Catherine o'hara needs more acclaim just throwing that out there more acclaim we don't we don't talk about her enough uh last year yeah for schitt's creek you know what good give her an emmy give her an emmy for beetlejuice could you get a post all right so we're throwing back emmys all right i mean an emmy for beetlejuice Is that what works? The animated series, obviously. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. My brain is broken because I thought you said Scarlett O'Hara, and I was like, "Are we talking about going back to Gone with the Wind?" No, no, no. Did not get her due either. (laughs) Gone with the Wind doesn't get enough credit. No, come on, guys. It gets enough credit. Um, McDreamy wants to talk to Sydney, and he wants uh, Dewey to connect them. Uh, He uh, he gives Dewey an ultimatum, but Sydney beats him to the past. She shows right up at the police station and gives Dewey a great big old hug, and he's like, "I told you to stay away, Sid." She's like, "How am I going to?" stay away when my friends are dying and I can do something about it and I'm the best character in this whole movie despite the fact that I'm kind of boring and Tim Tim doesn't think so uh, yeah, no here's the thing like I said I don't need to go over too many more times I don't like her period mm-hmm. but they earned my trust with this like this is the moment where they get together and I'm like I guess I'm invested I guess I care about the characters mm-hmm. that I don't mm-hmm. even like in these movies because they made me they are now together and I do not want them to die protect them at all costs Mm-hmm. Now, the the one good thing here, I like this next scene because Sydney sees Gail and she gives her a hug. Mm-hmm. And then she says, it's, I'm glad you're okay. Mm-hmm. And I like that they, they're just, they were like, they're like, we're not going to have an antagonistic relationship between it's, the two. They're all buddies now. It's Lucan and Leia. Uh-huh. Exactly. Mm. At this point, I mean, this is a perfect, if you're going to say like, this is as good as the original trilogy, a case could be made. Face could be made. <laughs> Gail asks how the killer could have gotten Sid's number, but only Dewey had it, and the only other two other people to borrow his phone were Sarah and Detective Kincaid. And we're like, oh my god! And I don't think we ever get a resolution to this. Um, Sydney wants to see the place in her mother's picture, so they head to Sunrise back a lot. Uh, Martha, Randy's sister, pops out of a fucking porta potty with a VHS tape for everyone to see, and it's a message from Randy from the grave. I let out an actual like guttural reaction to this like this was like a legit get hype holy fuck they're doing this and it's great I was reading some facts about this apparently they shot three hours of footage of him talking to this camera they didn't didn't know they didn't know what storyline they were gonna go with so we we got what we got which I freaking loved I thought it was really cool this was creative 
They use the jaws of life of exposition to wedge this woman into this movie, <laughs> which I loved. You know, it's Gail and Sydney. Yeah, it's Randy's sister, Martha. It's like <laughs> Randy's sister, Martha. Is yeah. that you? <laughs> I, it's great. I love it. They, by the way, it could have. Yeah, you had to have it. Uh, Randy, of course, is here. The reason I'm here is to help you so that my death will not be in vain. Here's the critical thing you're dealing with the con- we're not dealing with the sequel, he says. Different rules now. Why? Because you're dealing with the conclusion, the concluding chapter of a trilogy. So the rules of the sequel no longer apply. True trilogies are all about going back to the beginning. So here are the rules. Number one, the killer will be superhuman. Number two, anyone can die. All bets are off. Even you, Sydney, you can die. And number three, the past will come back to bite you in the ass. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. Great rules. Like, Great. But can I just are those actually the rules of the third movie of a trilogy? <laughs> like I couldn't think of a movie that like that's this applied to other than Scream Three. James, let me explain something to you. <laughs> okay. Right now. Okay. Yeah. We've already said, and I think we've all agreed, that the Scream trilogy every bit as good, if not better, than the original Star Wars trilogy. Sure. Okay. Right? We have said it let's, has been said. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at how these rules apply to one return of the Jedi. The killer will be superhuman. Shoot lightning out of his hands, force right, chokes. But, that, but the first one also had that. Okay, perfect. You're making my and point. And the second me. one, number two. The third one <laughs> number two, anyone could die. Did we see Obi Wan dying in the first one? Did we think Vader yeah. was going to die in this one? What about Wait. all those Ewoks that were just little? They look like they little all survived though. Luke, Han, and Leia. Everyone gets out. Lando, <laughs> they're all fine. Three. That one Ewok. Remember, he walks oh, over and he died. shakes him. And he's like, "Hey, bud, wake up, wake up." And he's just unnamed Ewok. He doesn't blink. That one's not blinking, no matter how many special effects you add. Oh man, we've pissed off so many stars. At least we're getting a lot. Funhouse. I have a question for the room. Do you think that what was the actor's name that plays Randy? Uh, Jamie Kennedy. Do you think that Jamie Kennedy ha- still had the same facial hair yeah. and hair from Scream Two yes. because he needed to have it in that tape, or do you think that that was all uh, makeup? Yeah, it was like the guy from um, Lost. He just had so to maintain the look. I saw <laughs> Jamie Kennedy at Punchline about two years ago. He came up to do it, had the same same stuff, same facial hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he was. I rest my case. That's yeah. just like a look he committed to. Yeah, he was just like, I'm, I, I was, I was super popular in the '90s, and I'm just gonna stick with it. Stick mm-hmm. with what works. Uh, by the way, I did see him at Punchline. He did not have that. He had a great haircut. Uh, Randy <laughs> wishes them all luck, and he says, "And for some of you, see you soon." Just oh, ominous. Gail runs off. Though. What's that? No, he does not. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, ominously, like, leaving your will and testament in some way? And go, it didn't happen. <laughs> fair. Fair. Uh, Gail gets a good idea. She's like, I'm going to go check central casting. Uh, and she runs off uh, to follow that hunch. Uh, but who should she run right into? Of course, Jennifer, who tells her she's going to stick by her side. She's like, listen, if the killers wouldn't want to kill the real Gail, I'm not the real Gail. But I figure if they try to kill me and you're there, they'll kill you instead. And actually, that logic kind of works. Uh, they head down to the studio vault where they find Carrie Fisher, which is amazing. Again, who else from James and Bob are we going to fire? We're going to find what's this guy, the, the the security guard that's like, all right, oh, what a lovely Dieter. day. <laughs> yeah. Dietrich. Dietrich Bader? Dietrich Bader. Dietrich Bader. Dietrich Bader. 
<laughs> uh, Carrie Fisher just doing a bang up job here, just hamming it up downstairs, pretending she's not really Carrie Fisher. I think she's smoking a cigarette in this too, which I just always thought was such a Carrie Fisher thing to do. Uh, they bribe her for information on Maureen's mom's stage name. She's like, well, that's not Maureen Prescott. That's Rena Reynolds. I know her. Uh, she was in three bad movies, all produced by Lance Hendricks character, John Milton, the same guy producing stab three and the plot thickens. Sid spots a pair of boots in the bathroom and busts through the stall door the only to find thickens, aka the plot gets so convoluted. This yeah. is so deep. So yeah. many people are involved in this fucking thing at this point. Yep. God bless. That's how murders happen. Is his name uh, John Milton? Is that supposed to be a Paradise Lost reference? Is it John Milton? Did John John Milton's Paradise Lost, right? Yeah, Google that. I don't know. I for some reason it didn't not, this didn't ring a bell for me at all, but you guys are smarter than I am. I spent most of my my year, my formative years, just rewatching RoboCop over and over again, just to get the nuance of if, it, Tim. God, can you? It, I mean, John Milton was Paradise Lost, can you, and, and Stab producer is John Milton. Can you yes. imagine if if the the audacity to be writing Scream Three and putting a Paradise Lost reference into it? Wow! Wow! wow. I mean, define high art. I define it as <laughs> Scream Three. This right here, what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, this scene's really, really weird because. And this is no offense to anyone sitting here, but if I look down, if I'm in the bathroom stall with one of you and I look down and I see your boot go up onto the toilet and I burst in and you have a scream mask and people have been killing me with scream masks and the boots, I would at least ask, why are you perched on yeah. the toilet like you're going to shit on the handle? <laughs> it's a filthy seat. Very it's a filthy seat. Better for your colon. Yeah. You say if you don't have a squatty potty handy, you can always perch on the toilet. And this was pre squatty potty invention. Exactly. Exactly. Man, I I just I'm gonna stop saying anything. <laughs> there's there's no <laughs> way this any questions I have I, that I actually want the answers to. This, so let's just move on. This Fair character's enough. backstory is also great because she won a contest to be in the movie, which is like, <laughs> well, who is she that? Won a good thing. <laughs> and like I love she's just trying to steal this shit. Like yeah. she unabashed, doesn't give a fuck. It's like, do you know what's going on right now? Yeah. But whatever. I mean, yeah. Tim, this is why we're we should be thank our lucky stars. We don't have to hop knob with any of these LA types, right? They're always just mm-hmm. thinking about themselves, right? They're always about perching what's... on bowls. Oh, perching <laughs> on bowls, stealing merch after getting blown clear of a house house fire or whatever. It seems <laughs> reasonable. If any of this shit happened to me, I'd be like, I'll be in Palm Springs. Can catch me if you can. I'm gonna sit in the middle of a pool. No one's gonna <laughs> kill me there. I'll kill myself with a margarita. Uh, she leaves her brush behind, so Sydney runs after her to give it to her, only to find herself in the middle of, I suppose, an amalgamation of all the sets uh, from Scream One. But the outside looks like Stu's house, uh, and I, I love this because she walks around, and the way this is lit, and the way it's shot is so eerily weird. Yeah. So uh, right. a, a fact I was reading here is they that Wes Craven knew that they wanted to go back to the the original place and have some of the locations. They didn't have any of the sets still. They were all destroyed. So they just made a bunch of the sets from like things from the first movie. They didn't know exactly how it was all going to come into play. But this shot here of her walking through was something that wasn't part of the script. And they just had it. And he's like, this ties it all together. Like, we don't need to explain anything else because it's just... People are going to get it. They're going to get what we're going for. And I think he was right. I mean, I agree. I think it worked. Uh, it's a bit confusing if you if you watch these movies back to back to back because <laughs> she heads upstairs and finds her room, uh, which is the same room that we saw from the first one where Billy climbed through the window. And she's, she's like, how would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? And she even hears uh, mm-hmm. those her words echoed mm-hmm. in, in like a weird flashbacky mm-hmm. moment uh, to, to, to talk about James' point earlier where like, 
there's just a lot of devices they're using in this movie that they probably shouldn't use, like flashbacks mm-hmm. and voiceover and things like that. But what the fuck? Because yeah. we're about to get to a point where she gets chased through a door that goes nowhere, and it's fucking crazy looking, <laughs> and I love it. And we'll get to that right now. Uh, one of the doors closes behind her, and I, at this point, I'm like, this is not good. But she takes out some mace, and good for you. You, you actually brought something you can defend yourself. Then another ghost face chases her upstairs. She gets chased out uh, and pulled through the downstairs window. Excuse me. She gets pulled through down through cra- into craft services. So this thing like pulls her through and she stumbles down and falls in. Then yeah. she runs back upstairs and then runs through the door uh, that leads to nowhere. But she tricks the other go- or the tricks Ghostface into falling out of the bed below her. Uh, and then she hears her mom's voice calling her back into her parents' bedroom. And when she gets back in there, she sees a bloody reenactment of her mother's death, complete with a 1920s ghost, just a sheet <laughs> over a face, yep. uh, which comes to life. <laughs> And it's very, very weird. Uh, and then she falls through the window again. This time doing the cops finally show up. But the killer are gone already. Or the killer, killers, is gone already. And Detective Wallace grills Angelina on the whole stealing the mask thing. And then lets her go. Because he's like, it's fine. Well, a lot they, of also, just... they also are like, like, she's like, he's in there. And they're like, Sid, listen, you're clearly crazy and reacting to trauma of seeing this murder scene in a house that was stews, maybe. Like, you know, like, like there's no way there's a killer there. It's like, um, yeah, dude, there's bodies everywhere. Everywhere. And we've been talking nonstop about how a killer is pursuing me. Why is this absurd? We should take this serious. It's not like it's the first act where it's nobody knows what's happening. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to hand wave now in the story. Yeah, but they proceed to gaslight her pretty hard. (laughs) Like all of that. And then not to jump ahead too much, but like they end up in a giant party scene. It's like, yeah. A birthday. Sid, Sid, a birthday. Come on, what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. Uh, McDreamy takes Sid back to the station while Gail shows Dewey a headshot of Rita Reynolds and tells him about John Milton. Uh, Dewey and Gail barge into uh, barge in on Roman complaining to John Milton uh, that this movie is going down the toilet. They also set up the fact there's a birthday party going to happen in the third act, and they question Milton about Rena Reynolds. He tries to write it off like she was just a bit player, but Gail grills him for the truth, and he finally comes clean. Rena went to one of Milton's famous parties, and she was assaulted by his creepy-ass friends, which changed her forever, and that's why she went back to Woodsboro. Uh, Sydney and McDreamy get to know each other a little bit, and this relationship is completely unprofessional. But she says to him, Hollywood is about death. He's haunted by the violence he's seen. He knows what it's like to see ghosts that don't go away. Seamus is so funny to me. Like, it's, he, like, they're trying so hard to convince you that it's, like, it's the cop, he's the bad guy, and they are so heavy-handed with it. And God bless Patrick Dempsey, you know? I also feel like they're trying to have some chemistry between them they here, were. and I'm like, mm, it didn't work. This is not, not happening. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and this is no disrespect to Nev Campbell or or Patrick Dempsey, no. but it was just, well, it's just, know. it wasn't written the way it should be written for them to be like, because I I do think you could have these two characters who are in a stressful situation, um, like fall for each other. Drama um, bonding. Wanna, if you want to see a perfect example of that, just rewatch Speed over and over and over mm. again, and just have it crammed into your face. Oh, so good. Have you show uh, back Mike speed yet? No. I've been championing this, it's Elise. Not, it's too it's too it's too modern of a film. But if you we'll get there eventually, it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. What about it. the rock? Anyway. Joey. Too no, modern? Speed is too modern. Oh yeah. Well yeah, it was like mid nineties, wasn't it? Yeah. We do 80s action. We have to start with the 80s, Joe. We have to build a foundation for his movie-loving experience. Otherwise, we jump to speed, and then you go back to Lethal Weapon, and it's going to be like, why are you showing me this? This is slow by comparison. 
What? Where's the bus? Where's Sandy Bullock? Where's, where's, the, where's bus? the Bobcat? God, he's so right. I want him to be wrong, but he's right, Joey. <laughs> is it Wildcat? Hold on, isn't it Wildcat? Was it Wildcat? I thought it was, Who's I that Wildcat behind the wheel? That's right. He's like, Wildcat. Oh, wow. He's got a camera. Look at your shirt. <laughs> Tim, you love it. Tim's I like, fucking I've never love it, too. I'm, I'm Google. I've never seen speed. I can't wait. Oh my God. I'm this here. is tragic. I, we just need a speed three so we can do speed and review. Oh, Tim, you're going to love speed. I, can one we just we watch speed one? There's two speeds. Yeah. Two I know, speed but can we there. just watch speed one? <laughs> you sure can, Joe. Come on over. I'll get some popcorn for us. Perfect. Um, Let's see. They have a little. They have a little conversation here where, you, like, when Sydney's guard is down, Kincaid asks her what he's like. Listen, you gotta tell me what you really know about your mom. She goes, "Listen, I don't know who my mom was." It turns out, and he goes, "You knew who she she was to you." And then Kincaid tells her he believes her about being attacked on set. And she's like, "Yeah, a fucking doy." And then, because uh, he knows how to deal, with, he's like, "Listen, that's good news that this guy was there." She goes, "Why?" And he goes, "Well, because he was a real criminal, and I know how to deal with real cr- criminals." And she says, "How?" And he goes, "Catch him or kill him." Nice. And then nice. Like, walks out all cool with his sexy hair. And she's like, you know what? McDreamy, maybe uh, maybe I will have some popcorn with you at the end of this movie, even though you look like a fucking dork in that scene for some reason <laughs> in a T-shirt. We'll get there. Um, let's see. Oh, and then she goes, hey, what's your favorite scary movie? And he goes, my life. And she goes, mine too. And I'm like, end the scene. End the end scene. It. Fucking end More. it. <laughs> more oh man Dewey gets a call from Sid saying she's going to Roman's birthday party and it's clearly the killer but hey it doesn't matter uh, at Milton's mansion and they should meet her there and then she hangs up uh, but when they get there this party is super sad uh, everyone decides to split up even despite the fact that they're all being hunted one by one they're like let's all split up and look for Milton's creepy screening room uh, which has to be here somewhere let's look for hidden passages or something even though it turns out there's just a door to this place uh, this is a super bad idea but a great way to get killed Roman and Jennifer head down to the basement and find a bunch of old costumes and props. Uh, meanwhile, Gail gets the bright idea to call the number back that called Sydney. Uh, and when they do that, a cell phone in the closet rings. And when they open it up, they see a ghost face costume in the voice modulator, which then clues them into the fact that the killer can, in fact, do anyone's voice on the planet. And I'd be like this. See if it's got a setting for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> No, I'm not gonna do it, Tim. Tim was waiting. He's like, "Is he gonna do another stupid <laughs> Schwarzenegger?" Yeah, I was. Yeah, please come with go. me if you want to live, Tim. Great. Let's see. Roman and Jennifer head down to the basement to find a bunch of old costumes. I already, I already read that possible uh let's see gail gets right there anyway dewey and gail split up and to warn everyone again dumb uh that the killer is on the loose i mean by the way any one of these people could be the killer because obviously the costume was left there i would have just called the police and left that would have been my thing i would have waited and be like sydney's not here let's just wait outside uh gail goes down to the basement and finds roman stabbed to death in a casket uh she and the other gail run back up to find dewey then angelina jumps out uh and, and they're like listen we got to go. And she's like, you know what? All of you people are second-rate celebrities. I'm getting the hell out of here. And then she gets stabbed to death on the stairs. Uh, we get a cool shot where Gail looks over uh, down at the stairs. And Emily Mortimer's body just gets slowly dragged out. I'm like, that was pretty ominous and cool. Uh, also, kind of ironic that all of these are, or that she has that, like, one line that's like, I didn't sleep with whatever producer guy, right? Is this where she says like, she she's, like, running yeah, out? I didn't sleep and with And then it's, like, a Harvey Weinstein movie. It's like, she's oh, a Fuck that pig melt. Oh, that's right. Right. I don't remember the rest, but that aged very specifically. Yeah, it did. Yeah. 
Um, Gale catches up Dewey and Ghostface immediately. Uh, excuse me. Gale catches up Dewey and Ghostface just immediately comes out of. Again, another one of these, like, can we try a little harder for the blocking? Mm-hmm. Two characters are standing <laughs> right next to each other. And they're like, oh, my God, Dewey, it's so great to see you. Gale, thank God you're alive. And two feet away from them, Ghostface yeah. just comes from the edge of the screen and punches him out. And you're like, yeah. God damn it. It's, they're not it's, trying. It's all Wet Hot American Summer when he's driving the van singing. And Reno's, like, yes. driving. And then and he just goes, ah! And just slams it in the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest part of that movie. Uh uh, then everyone fights and fake Gale gets pushed into a secret passage while Tyson gets murdered outside. Uh, she bangs on a two-way mirror and tries to get Dewey's attention while Gale and Dewey try to figure out what the hell's causing that mirror to to, to, to get banged on. So Dewey is like, I got a great idea. And then one by one shoots all six of the mirrors out. Or however they just happen to so be. So dangerous. Yeah. Well, he does aim for the top, though, so he is putting a teensy bit of thought. Like, they're probably not eight feet tall, so I'll aim for the tops. It's just that, guys, listen, I know you guys aren't as adept at first-person shooters as me and James are. But when you have a revolver, it's just deeply ingrained in you how many shots you have left. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I didn't even need to watch the scene. I was like, he's out of ammo. Reload, mm-hmm. bro. You got to reload. You only have six shots. You can't mm-hmm. fucking count how many mirrors there were. There's a lot of mirrors. Amateur, amateur. A lot of mirrors. Also, you could shoot at the one that's banging. Yeah, maybe that one. <laughs> like, they had this issue in Scream 2 where no one can hear noise on the other side of thin glass. Like, it's just impossible. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, then this results in, in uh, Parker Posey getting stabbed. She's definitely on the side. Her body falls through. And they're like, oh, no. Um, I will say that Parker Posey's like the physicality of her acting as she's running around this house and she's just like flailing like that Kermit gif. <laughs> it just brings like. <laughs> A really fun like she's just so good put parker posey in more things please and with that too just like with the the movement in this movie like i love that like every screen movie's done a great job with this of the ghost face killer always being just bumbling around in weird ways <laughs> that feels right because it's a dude in a mask and i think this one like does it even more and i'm like thank you because you just see him running around and he's just bumping into everything and i'm like good for you ghost face like alec baldwin from the departed Mm-hmm. I uh, knew that that was coming. I knew uh, as soon as anybody used the word bumbling. Done. <sighs> uh, Real girl gets stabbed and tumbles down the stairs uh, with go- with Ghostface, who gets knocked out at the bottom of it. So she calls Dewey for help, and Dewey's like, "Wait a minute, how do I know this is not the real you?" And then Ghostface wakes up and scream and Gale screams. So go- Dewey bursts in and once again tries to shoot Ghostface, but he's uh, his his chambers are all emptied from uh, because he shot all the two-way mirrors and then the killer throws just a knife at him but thankfully the butt of the knife hits him right in the head and knocks him out back at the station <laughs> it's like a joke shot from the trailer like if God. it was a comedy movie it would be exactly that it's so bad <laughs> Uh, back at the station, Sydney goes to the, her own file that the police have kept on her, and she gets a call on her cell from herself. But it's really the killer, and he's got Dale and uh, Gail and Dewey. And he's like, "You better do what I say. I'll make you a deal. Uh, do you want to know who? He's like, killed your mother. Well, come here, and I'll tell you for real who killed your mother. And then maybe they'll live, but you'll die." Sydney makes up her mind; she's going to go. But before she does, she decides she's going to strap on some steel courtesy of detective Kincaid. And she does that really cool thing where she's like, I know where this guy keeps his gun, but it's the bo- it's like the top shelf, but the bottom shelf's unlocked. So she opens the bottom shelf and like reaches in and like unlocks the top shelf through it and like opens it up. I was like, that is a very nineties thing to do. I don't think that works <laughs> anymore. Uh, she heads over to Milton's house, which looks like the one from sunset Boulevard and finds Tyson's body outside. Uh, Ghostface makes her use a metal detector on herself. I was like, that's good thinking, which spots her gun immediately. So she throws it out. 
into the pool. And here I'm thinking we're going to have that moment, James, where like the struggle goes into the pool and she looks down and sees the gun and it's like, oh, da, da, da. that's too cliche. No, <laughs> that, no. It's also way too hard to shoot. Chekhov had no, had no play on this script. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sydney sees Dewey and Gail tied up and rushes and untie them, but Ghostface pops up from behind her and knocks her to the ground. Luckily, Dun, dun, dun. King Kate had two guns and she brought a second piece of steel and she shoots Ghostface in the chest and then, but then he disappears and everyone's like, dude, stop shooting him in the chest. This is my first time. I'm like, stop shooting him in the chest. I hope one of these characters screams the other character in the head and guess what? Maybe she does. Uh, then King Kate comes in and uses his calm voice and then he gets stabbed. Uh, Sid runs into the study and finds a secret screening room. She hears her mother's voice calling to her and sees her old footage of, uh, projected onto the screen. Then... The ghost from Scooby-Doo comes out again and reveals and pulls off the sheet and reveals it's really Ghostface. But then it pulls off its mask and reveals it's really Roman, who was the killer the entire time. Didn't see it coming. And, like, that's not necessarily a compliment to that. It could have been anyone. It would have been the same general reaction. Because we all think he's dead because they find his body in the chest in the basement. Mm. It's funny, though, because he did call... Jenny McCarthy earlier in the movie, and then and then, but his defense was no, I didn't like and But it's like when you think about it, hindsight, it's just like, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Of course, he reveals like I'm wearing a bulletproof vest the entire time. You're stupid, and also I'm your half brother. That's right. Rena Reynolds was my mom. Uh, that's why Randy Carrie Fisher us. was in this. Her and why Luke. Brother and sister revealed uh, in the third movie. Smart. No one saw it coming because it didn't matter. It was fucking weird. <laughs> Carrie Guys. said, you have to put me in this movie. Yeah, I yeah. got to get in this. <laughs> I got to like, get on this ground level. I get it. And again, I hate to see, I hate to keep drawing these amazing parallels between the Scream franchise and Star Wars. But clearly, Scream, Scream is better. And my cousin uh, Vinny. And my, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link you to that scene. You're going to die laughing. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a dynamite scene. Uh, Roman wanted to reconnect with his long-lost mother, but she rebuffed him in saying, quote, Rena Reynolds is dead. I got to leave all that shit in L.A. I'm back at Woodsboro now. So he found Billy and directed him to kill Maureen Prescott. He's like, I'm a director. I direct, and I got Billy to do it. So I'm like, okay, so you said you want to know who really killed your mom. It was still Billy, mm-hmm. but you yeah, were Billy, just kind yeah. of a part of it. But still, Billy did did pull the trigger on that, right? Like, Billy was the one Chief, that stabbed him. He appeared to film one garbage eight-millimeter film of her and billy's dad going into a garbage motel that's mm-hmm. what he did oh and so he considers he's himself the puppet master got it this guy's pulling the strings yeah uh dewey and gail break free and grab king Cade's gun roman brings milton out milton out of out and tells sydney he's the one that fucked everything up he's like he's he's this creep bag that fucked up your mom sydney and he's the one that's got to die and then milton offers where he's like i'll give you anything i'll give you anything including final cut and he's like oh that's a poor choice of words right there and he slits milton's mm-hmm. neck and then it tells sids he's gonna blame it all on her and she's like i don't think that's gonna work this time honestly no. but let's try it um they fight but Roman gets the better of her. He chokes the life out of her until Dewey blows the power outside. Kincaid finds the door to this room uh, and, and uh, immediately bursts in and immediately gets knocked out. Actually, I think he lock picks it first and then it gets locked out. Uh, Roman steals his backup gun and shoots Sydney in the chest. But when he looks back, she's gone. And then Sydney, we see her hand grab a little girl. ice pick. And then she star 69s him. Remember star 69 Tim? Of course you don't. Never and then his phone rings <laughs> before he gets a chance. You're like, oh, cool. She's going to call him and use the voice modulator. Like, Hello. But she doesn't. She just jumps out and stabs him a bunch of times in the back. 
Um, and then when the when the phone rings, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, he goes down. He's like, oh, my God, I shot you in the chest. She goes, yeah, but two can play that game. And she pulls up her shirt, and she's got a bulletproof vest courtesy of the LAPD. And I'm like, did no one see this person ransacking this fucking police officer's off, like desk to get all this shit out of it? Like, <laughs> someone would have seen her walk out with a bulletproof vest, right? Can we, can we just touch on really quickly how he planned to frame her for this when 90% of the murders took place while she was in not police custody. in town? Well, not even in police custody, but not even in town making phone calls from a place that could easily be tracked and identified because they found her, right? Like... She just has the best alibi out of anyone. Literally anyone else would have yeah. been a better candidate. Dewey, yeah. Gale, anyone showed up and the murders started happening. So, I mean, said, good luck, Roman. I guess yeah, is good what luck, I have buddy. to say. It ain't, ain't going to play. Uh, he says, I still, get to, I still got to make my movie. She goes, stab three, right? And he's like, yeah. And then she stabs him in the chest with his own knife and then holds his hand as he dies. Classy yeah, move there, Sydney. Classy move. Queen Rain. Miss you. And then uh, Dewey says, careful, Sydney. Uh, Randy said the killer was going to be superhuman. And then Roman pops back up. He's like, ah, he does the Kermit thing. Ah, yeah, and then Dewey shoots him a bunch in the chest. And then he's like, Dewey, dumbass, shoot him in the head. <laughs> and so he does. And then Roman goes down for the count. Uh, the next day, Dewey and Gail uh, wake up. They're doing a little smoochy smoochy. And they have a nice little moment on the deck. And Dewey asks Gail if she would sign a copy of her book for him. She's like, Dewey, that's funny. And he goes, I just want to sign it. And when she opens it up, there's a ring in there. So she he goes, vandalized you know, the book. He did. Well, I mean, it's you have to imagine at this point, poor Dewey was so heartbroken. He's poured over this book multiple. He probably hasn't memorized it at this point. True. So he doesn't need the pages. He doesn't anymore. care Plus, as long so as he paid full price for it. Dewey, <laughs> hold up. So this is the next day. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, because he still has, he's like, got the ring? Hold well, on. I don't know. It's not I, the it next might, day. No, there's no the way it's the next day. Don't you do it. He still has cuts and stuff on his head, it's, so it's still... It's close enough that, because we get Patrick Dempsey... Oh. Here in Wikipedia, it says oh. sometime after. Yeah, but okay. it's close enough because he has his arm in the sling, right? Yeah. He yeah. comes out with popcorn. Mm. You think the movie's going to end, like, three or four times? You think the movie's going to end with Sid just walking away with her dog and not worried about the gate? You're like, right. okay, closure. But then they're like, hold on, we got another moment. And so Gail, and then they have the Gail and Dewey moment. And then you're like, oh, okay, everyone's happy. And then I like, hold on. I want to know what happened to Patrick Dempsey's character. <laughs> Did he quit his job and then decide well, to move into the woods? No, I love this. So uh, going along, she says, he says, I know it will never work. You know it will never work. What I'm asking is to see if we're wrong. She says, you're a brave man, Dewey Riley. And then Gail kisses him and puts the ring on her finger. Uh, we come what back a over shitty the- way to, like, start a marriage. Like, this isn't going to work. We both fucking know. But, hey, fuck it. Let's try Like, th- this line did not work for me, but I don't care. I love them mm-hmm. together. And I love that the- he had the ring in the book and all this shit. I was like, yeah. Was this earned? Yeah, it was. Over the it course of the three right. fucking movies. Yeah. yeah. Good for you guys. Main characters. Uh, Sydney opens the gate to her compound and runs with her useless golden retriever. And we're like, that's a great that's a great way to end this scene. And then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. She goes inside and thinks about setting the alarm, but she doesn't. And then McDreamy comes out and uh, Dewey and Gail tell her that they're going to all watch a movie together. He's like, hey, you want to watch a movie? It's going to be great. And he looks like a total dork in this scene. And yeah. I'm like, you couldn't He's have like, put a- I can't wait to watch a movie. It's going to be great. <laughs> and then he goes, come wait, on. You want to watch one of your mom's movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be highly inappropriate. And she goes, what kind of movie? And he goes, you have to come and see. And then he runs out. And then the door behind Sydney opens as if the wind, some sort of ghost or wind or maybe a human being with a knife pushes it. And she goes, you know what? I'm just going to leave it open as if to say, 
I'm going to leave open the endless possibilities to get murdered. Fades to black. Fade up from black. She gets the electric bill. It's a disaster. Oh, because you know it's hot wherever she's at, right? Yeah. That air conditioning has been running all night. Her dog's missing. This is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Eaten by mosquitoes. There you yeah. go. Scream three. Elise Wilms, can you please hit me with haiku and review? Seven syllables in the middle. Five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't have to rhyme. That's you, right. You had you second guess yourself, but you haiku in review. Yes. In Nailed review. it. I love I love how stressed you get, <laughs> but then you also commit. You're like, I got it in me. I'm gonna do it. And you always nail it. You always it's get that last there. line. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your reviews in haiku form, just like Joe Mertens did, who says, Jay and Silent Bob, Carrie fucking Fisher, yo. Camp is back, fuckers. Camp is back. (laughs) Okay, Soda says, Courtney Cox's hair is the biggest victim here. Nick, (laughs) is it a wig? I don't think it's a wig. I think it's just great. Yeah. I love it. It's a bold choice. (sighs) Andrew Feister says, killer on attack. Knives will stab and vases smack. Sydney will fight back. Mother obsession. Yo mama joke there somewhere. Oedipus complex? Yeah, there's a lot of weird mob stuff going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's it. Those are our haikus for this. Remember, write your review haikus for Scream 4 that we're going to do in just a couple days. Uh, At least can you hit us with a ragu bagu? Ragu. No, no, okay, okay. Joey Noel, can you please hit us off with some ragu bag? Yeah, the dun 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 ragu dun 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 bagu. Thank you for that, Joey. Welcome to Rad Guys Talk. Bad guys here. That one has way less words, it's way easier for screen in review. It's okay, Joey. At least don't feel embarrassed because Joey was like this. I like, I've got better things to do than sing this song. That was the amount of enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, I got nothing. And I appreciate it. She's had a lot of camera issues today. Jimmy I know. I'm worried it's going to overheat again. You're going to be fine. Uh, right now on the list, we have Billy and Stu and Peer Pressure at number one. Number two is Aunt Jackie and Mickey and Revenge. at, uh, And then number three, where do we want to put Roman? And think, the past? I think it goes number three. Like, yeah. for all the reasons I love this movie, like, the villain's definitely not it. I think this movie cares the least about giving a, a reason that I care about for why there's the killer's killing who the killer is anything that has to do with the killer the kills are just not interesting in this with the exception of the explosion and that's interesting debatably for the wrong reason so definitely no not debatably it's for the wrong reasons <laughs> it's stupidly dumb and and sticks out but it's hilarious I also love having two killers and yeah. this feels like a downgrade yeah 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 I don't love the like retconning of the like oh it wasn't actually just Billy with his own motivations it's like oh i was the puppet master behind everything mm-hmm. so yeah i'm fine with three yeah there All we right. go there it is and now it's time to rank the scream movies currently in number one we have scream one and at number two we do have scream two where do we want to put scream three Elise, let's just start with you yeah this is a tough oh. one i want to start with Elise. She's <laughs> gonna be my first, the yeah. stress uh i'm so curious for, i think i know what joey's gonna oh she's gone <laughs> um so for me and this might just be a lot of personal nostalgia because i i know if we're looking at this from the perspective of a good film a well-made film well-written film it's not three not, but not for that. me it's gonna go one three two 
I'm right there with you. Yeah, like I, I don't even think that there's debate there. Like I, I think that you said it earlier, but like yeah. three at least commits to what it is. What it is is a weird thing that's not nearly as good or great even as one. But uh, two just didn't work for me. So yeah, I, I go one, Next three, two days. as well. Nick, I gotta say, I've been disappointed with you guys in the past. I have. I've been disappointed with each and every one of you. But now. It's not one of those times. I'm dead. I'm right there with you. I put, I put, this one's fun. And if the rest of them are like this, by the way, I've never been to this point with you guys. I love you guys. Uh, I, I think this goes number two for sure with a bullet. I think, I think uh, Scream 2 is kind of forgettable and I'm already kind of hazy as what happened. This one is just like, yes, I'll watch these till the cows come home. Why not? This is completely ridiculous and fun. James, do you have any? discerning opinions i I think we're all on the same page i mean like it was even when we all popped out with our initial reviews at the top of scream 2 it was like "Eh." and then this one it seemed like we're all like this movie has a more clearly defined identity than scream 2 does is it worse yes but i think this this is a perfect example why sometimes a better movie isn't a better movie you know like if that totally get it like, I understand why this has bad reviews, but I don't think that that's the same thing as being able to enjoy it. This movie is is really hard not to enjoy, whereas Scream 2, I felt like there are a lot of points in the middle where you're just like, this is just not recapturing the glory of Scream 1. And it's trying really hard to. Scream 3 doesn't try to recapture anything. It just tries to kind of make you laugh more than anything. You know, like, it just, it's like, here are the characters you liked, right? And we're putting them in this wacky situation again. So... Like, you guys nailed it earlier. Someone said that this could be either a Scream or a scary movie. And that's... Oh, yeah, Joey. Yeah. That's high praise. Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, you, you kind of do dip into that area. You're like, maybe this is the crossover we didn't even know we got. Mm-hmm. Dick in the ear. Dick in the ear. <laughs> Never yeah. forget Never. the someone dick throws, in the ear. Someone throws a dick, and it spins, and it hits <laughs> the wrong <laughs> forehead. Balls first. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody, we're going to return with Scream 4 later this week on Friday. So make sure you watch it. Get your haikus in for Haiku and Review over on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny. James, Elise, where can people find you? You can find us on social media at Elise Williams at James Williams. You can find us on Rooster Teeth and Funhouse in Last Laugh Season 2, which is currently airing right now. It's a great time. Uh, great and time. you can find us. I don't, when is this episode? Is this live right now? It's live for Patreon people. It's going uh, public to everyone tomorrow morning. Patreon members, unless unless he kicks us out between now and Thursday, we're joining the Scarp and yeah. Snowbike Mike no, Thursday evening mm-hmm. for some Major League. Hell yeah. We were watching Major League Thursday, I believe, 7.30 PT. Go over to twitch.tv slash games. We'll be there. Uh, and it's, it's on Amazon Prime as well. So if you have Amazon Prime, it's free for you to watch. So I've never seen Major League, but I didn't think it was an 80s action movie. It is not, Joey. It's not. And I know you're going to use that as a case uh, against, like, why we're not watching Speed. Uh And I have, oh, I'm sorry, Tim, look at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with Joey. You guys got to watch Speed. I I think of a lot of movies in just the day, and I go, I wonder if Mike's seen this. (laughs) What I do, and because I like, I we just recently rewatched Last Action Hero, and I was like, I I wonder if Mike's seen this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let us know in the comments below if you've seen The Last Action Hero, or Speed, or Major League, or any of these other movies that I have not seen. But until next time, I love you all. Goodbye.